0: Go ahead and turn in your Bible to Mark chapter nine. Mark chapter nine. We're, we're in a series in the gospel of Mark that we're calling Servant King. And uh, Jesus has, in this kind of middle section of the gospel of Mark, he's turning his attention towards Jerusalem. So he, he, he is turning his attention towards the cross. He knows the cross is his destiny. And so Jesus is not going to become king through military conquest or political revolution but he's gonna he's gonna become king through serving suffering and and taking up the cross and so in this middle section jesus is also teaching his disciples what it means to truly follow him and what he tells them is if anybody would come after me let him deny himself take up his cross and and follow me and what jesus is really trying to communicate to his disciples is that taking up your cross is not some Some brand of radical Christianity, it's normal Christianity to take up your cross. That's really what it means to follow Jesus. Now, the passage that we're going to look at today, Jesus is going to talk about greatness. And he's going to really redefine what it means to be truly great. He's going to show us the path of significance. And this is especially pertinent because the disciples have this burning desire to be great so much so that they argue about it seemingly all the time. And it just reveals that they have this desire for status and significance and, you know, prominence in their life. And the truth is, church, you and I are no different. We all have a longing for greatness in different ways. We're all in some way or another searching really for significance it's it's ingrained in us it's, it's a part of our our dna we all long to be valued recognized and esteemed that's why that's why social media is a multi-billion dollar industry because it taps into this desire that we have to truly be recognized. We, we get an endorphin rush when somebody likes a post or retweets a tweet or, or you know, we follow somebody. So, so really social media today is a way that we have this feeling of value and significance today. Now this desire is so strong that even when we know maybe we can't have greatness in the eyes of the world, we at least wanna be able to associate with greatness. You guys know what I'm saying? Like we'll buy certain products we'll wear certain brands, we'll follow certain sports teams that the world considers great, just just to have this feeling of a measure of greatness in our life. And so what happens, church, when you have the opportunity to meet someone that you would consider or the world would consider great? What usually happens? We go crazy. In fact, this week I saw a video of LeBron James walking into a basketball game and sitting down. And I'm going to show you the video. I want you to watch the girl's reaction sitting next to him when she realizes who she's sitting next to. Watch the screen behind me. Even when he's not playing, it has such an impact. Watch the girl on the right. <laughs> she had no idea that's who was going to pop down next to her. <laughs> that is hilarious. Great seat. So so obviously just being around somebody that, that the world considers great just kind of makes our day. Now obviously she knows that MJ is the GOAT, but she knows that, you know, you know, LeBron's pretty good. So that that's good. You know, a few years ago I, I had this happen to me. I Luann and I got to attend a fundraiser dinner and we got to sit at the same table as the Colts head coach Frank Wright. He's no longer the, the Colts coach, but we got to sit at the same table. You guys I was in Hog Heaven. Uh, I I love football. I love the Colts, and I am I am totally in my element, uh, getting you know sitting next to this guy and kind of getting to know him. And and the other thing is he's a believer, so that that was even even better. And so, but Frank Reich is something. I I think he's the the Panthers coach now, but but he's he's somebody that the world considers great. I mean, he has money. He's got position and fame. uh, He's got a great family. You know, he has all of those things. And and during dinner, do you, you guys know what I'm thinking about? the entire time during dinner? Does he like me? <laughs> should I have laughed at that joke? You know, um, Should I have said that? Did that sound stupid? You know, what are, what, What's he think of me? Church, I'm not joking. Y'all are laughing, but I'm not joking. Now, you've probably met somebody that you admire too, an athlete, a celebrity, maybe the CEO of your company or whatever, somebody that you consider great, and then all of a sudden you're overwhelmed with this an unbelievable desire to be liked. You're just kind of, you know, overcome by it, and then you're worried about the kind of impression that you're making. What is that? It's a desire for greatness and significance, right? It, it's a, it's a part of that. And church, don't miss this. That desire for greatness and significance that you and I have, that's a God-given longing that we have. It really is. God made you to be great, and no. I know it sounds weird. I'm not giving a TED talk today, okay? So, but just understand that God shaped you for greatness. He put that desire with, within, within your heart. It's a part of the fabric of every human being. And the disciples have the very same longing. They're no different from us. And what we see in the story of the disciples that we're going to look at today is something's off with this desire. There's something amiss And I think the picture that we see is, you know, not only is the world broken with sin, but we are broken with sin. And what happens, what sin does to us is it corrupts and corrodes us to the point that we would seek greatness separate from God. Thinking we can be great apart from God. Where have you seen that before? seen that in the Garden of, you know, Garden of Eden. That was, that was the whole motivation for, you know, eating of the tree. We can be great apart from God. And now, what is now a God-given desire has been completely corrupted and corroded by sin. And so as a result, we look for significance and greatness, not from our relationship with God or in our relationship with God, but we look at apart from God. And we don't even realize the greatness that God has in mind for his people and that's really the good news today is that Jesus Christ has unfathomable greatness in store for you he has incomprehensible greatness in store for those who repent of their sins believe the gospel and follow Jesus I mean church he has greatness we can't even put words around that's how much he loves us but it is a very different greatness than from how the world would describe greatness All right, so let's read this uh, because I don't want you to take my word for it. I want you to see it right in Scripture. We're going to read chapter uh, 9, verses 30 through 37. And I'm going to ask if you're willing and able, would you please stand just out of reverence for God's word and God revealing his word to us today. So Mark writes this. He says, they went on from there and they passed through Galilee. And he didn't want anyone to know, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, the son of man is going to be delivered into the hands of men and they will kill him. And when he is killed after three days, he will rise. But, it, but they did not understand what he was saying and they were afraid to ask. And then in verse 33, and they came to Capernaum and when he was in the house, he asked them, hey, what were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent for on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve, and he said to them, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And he took a child, and he put him in the midst of them, and taking him in his arms, he said to them, whoever receives such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. The grass withers, and the flowers fade, but not the word of God. It lasts forever. You may be seated. So I want to share with you just three insights from, from Scripture, just from Jesus into greatness. And I want, to, I want to just talk to you about greatness explained, and then I want to show you greatness exemplified, and then I want to show you uh, greatness empowered, how it becomes a real uh, part of our life every day. So let's look at the first one, greatness explained. Look with me at verses 33, 34, and 35. It talks about, you know, they came to Capernaum and when he was in the house, this is Jesus, he asked them, hey, what, what were you discussing on the way? Uh, but they kept silent on the way and they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. And so Jesus Jesus sensed the tension that was kind of fomenting up among the disciples as they were on their way to Capernaum. They were on a journey and they got into a discussion. and and um, and, and so Jesus Felt the tension then and probably felt it in the room when he asked them about it. And so he just says, hey, you know, what were you guys discussing on the way? I think he understood what they were discussing. But I think this is a real picture of what sin does to us. Like I said a little bit earlier, uh, these guys have a God-given desire for greatness within them. But this is what sin does. It takes something good and it perverts it and twists it. So like a movement at Asbury, something good but never underestimate the power of sin and selfishness to take something over and and corrupt it. And, And so that's exactly what's happening here. And uh, it, it's corrupted them to the point where they're talking about greatness, but now it's it's breaking their fellowship. It's causing division and strife in in their their little band of followers. And part of the problem is is that they 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 have this agenda for Jesus. They see him as a political Messiah. They're going to kick the Roman. He's going to kick the Romans out, and then establish the new kingdom of Israel. And they're going to get they're going to get cabinet positions in the new administration. So really, Jesus is their ticket to greatness, status, and significance. In fact, they were probably arguing who would get the highest positions within the kingdom. And it had to be I mean, absolutely comical to listen to this. It'd be like your kids in the back seat of your van, you know, arguing with each other. You've been there, done that. But, uh, but each one saying, you know, no, I'm greater than you, and here's why. No, you have no room to talk. I, I'm greater than I'm greater than you, and and so it had to be kind of comical to unfold. But, but, but the truth is, it's hard not to love these guys. You, you guys know what I'm saying. It's hard not to love them because they are real, raw, and flawed, just like us, just like me. And it's hard not to love them because they have no filter. And they're just, frankly, they're just saying what we're all thinking. I mean, they're just putting it to worse. I mean, we're so sophisticated in 2023. We know better not to talk about our greatness because we, we would understand, no, you, you got to appear humble, right? I mean, you got to just play the part. Uh, but, but all the while, while we're not talking about it, we're at least thinking about it. Let, let's think, of, think about this situation. You're in the grocery store. And you're running in to get a couple things. And uh, some kid's throwing a tantrum in the cereal aisle, right? And uh, the mom's just pulling her hair out. And this kid's just going crazy, yelling, screaming, throwing a tantrum. What are you thinking? You're thinking, I'm thinking, lady, get control of your kid. Aren't, you know? I'm a better parent than you. That, that's, kind of, that's kind of what we're thinking. Or you're a dad on the Bantam football field, and your kid takes the ball and runs 80 yards for a touchdown. What are you thinking? My kid's bad. My kid's good. Got it. He got that from me. Look, look, church, I've done that. And you've done it too. We've all thought about our greatness in comparison to somebody else that we didn't think was great. And so we've all had these thoughts. And so Jesus is asking them the question, hey, what were you guys talking about? And no one responds. Everybody's quiet. Quiet as church mice, Right? They didn't want to answer because they they immediately felt guilty and ashamed for what they did. And they're expecting Jesus to give them a lecture for why their desire for greatness is wrong. That's what, they're just bracing. Oh man, Jesus is going to call us out for what we're, you know, this is obviously wrong. Our desire for greatness is wrong. And so they just kind of kept totally quiet. But interestingly enough, that's not what Jesus does. He doesn't call them out. He calls them deeper into himself. He doesn't reprimand their desire for greatness. What he does is he actually encourages it. Let me show it to you in verse 35. And he sat down and he called the 12. This is verse 35. And he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. He doesn't say that it's wrong to want to be first. He doesn't say it's a sin to want to be great. He's not denouncing their desire for greatness. He's actually affirming their desire for greatness and then he's redirecting it. He's he's taking it away from how the world describes greatness and he's he's pointing it to how he defines and describes greatness. And he says, you know what, you wanna be great? You wanna be first? I'll tell you how to be great and I'll tell you how to be first the person who wants to be first must be least of all. The person who wants to be great must be servant of all. That that is greatness in the kingdom of God. That's the path of true greatness. And you can only imagine, I mean, the disciples, the disciples are processing this and they're like, what is he talking about? What do you mean? Like, like what do you mean that to be first, you have to be last? church, that's totally countercultural. It it totally goes against the grain of how we've learned the world ever since we were born. What have we learned in the world? That if you want to be first, you better go out and get first place. That if you want to be great, you better go out and secure Greatness in the eyes of the world. In in other words, greatness is all about privilege. Greatness is all about position. Greatness is all about winning and being the best. And we've we've known this since birth. We know this is how the world operates. And what Jesus is doing is he's calling us beyond that. We, you know, this has been totally our experience. I mean, let's say spring break, you're flying to Florida, you're flying southwest. Okay? we'll pray for you. Good luck for that. Good luck for you. Um, Okay, so you want a good seat on the plane, right? You want good storage for your luggage. What boarding position do you need to achieve in order to get that? You need boarding group one or two. Church, if you get boarding group four or five, you are host. You know where you're sitting? You're sitting in the back next to the john where all the bad sounds and the bad smells are and everything's kind of sloshing around. Everybody knows, look, you want to be first, you got to get to be first place. And Jesus knows it too. But what Jesus says is that's not greatness. I mean, the implication here is that's not what God considers to be great. What he's doing is he's lifting our eyes up. He's like, I I don't want you to do it the way the world does it. I want you to seek first the kingdom. And this is greatness where it really matters. This is greatness for eternity. That's what Jesus is really hinting at here. And, And I think this is just another example of the kingdom inversion that Jesus brings. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways and his thoughts are higher than our ways and our thoughts. But throughout the Gospels, you see him just absolutely turning our world upside down and going completely counter to the culture around us. He says, if you, if you die to yourself, guess what? You're going to live. He says, if you give up your life, you gain it. If you humble yourself, you'll be exalted. That if you choose to be last, you'll be first. If you choose to be least, You'll be the greatest. And and this is so against the grain. It's so countercultural. We struggle to believe it and even practice it. Because we think, man, there's just no way. There's just no way. And what Jesus is really saying is greatness is not defined by your achievements. It's it's really defined by whom you serve. Greatness is not defined by your accomplishments or your status in society. Greatness is determined by who you serve. It's not determined by how many people serve you. Greatness is how many people you're serving. And I think part of this, what this means is that is, greatness is not found in the title on your business card. It's, it's not found in the amount in your checking account or your investment account. It, it's, not, it's not really determined by how well behaved your children are. It, it's not really determined by how many people you know. It's really defined by your service to other people. Jesus is challenging his disciples and challenging us to be great in the things that matter to God for all of eternity. That's what he's talking about. In fact, you know, the word servant that he uses, here's the word diakonos, um, and diakonos literally means waiting tables. Literally means that. And uh, and so it's a service, not out of coercion or, you know, for contract, but it's it's just service out of personal devotion you just serve to serve and that's the greatness of the kingdom of God and so so it's very different from the world the world says you have to be gifted and elite and privileged and positioned to be great but that is not greatness in the kingdom and um, and so that's really good news because that means greatness is available to just normal people like us through small tasks a uh, small task that maybe no one sees, no one thanks us for, no one applauds us for, but God sees it. That's true greatness. In fact, in John's gospel, you know Jesus is meeting with the disciples. This was the night before he was betrayed and he, he washes their feet and he said to them, he said, you know, you, you've called me teacher and Lord because that's who I am. Uh, but I've washed your feet and so as I've washed your feet, so, so you also really should wash one another's feet. And uh, what was he calling them to? He was calling his disciples to servant leadership. That leadership in the kingdom of God is all about laying down your life, putting a towel over your arm and serving and doing it joyfully. And so when you think about, you know, greatness, Explain, you know, you you, you, th- you really know how much of a servant you are. I heard, I heard somebody say this. Uh, you, you really know how much of a servant you are by your reaction to when somebody treats you like a servant. You do something for somebody else and they don't thank you. They don't applaud you. They don't recognize you. And your reaction to that, that's how much of a servant you really are by, by your reaction to it. And as I just think about our church, you know, I, I think about how do you know the Spirit of God's moving here? Because people are willing to serve. That a true church, that the church of Jesus Christ, it's not measured by its seating capacity. It's measured by its sending capacity. How many people are mobilized to mission and mobilized to serve in mission? That's how you evaluate What god is doing in any given church especially here i just want to challenge you are you serving there's not a category in scripture for a non-serving christian there's just not it's not there so there's greatness explained jesus then shows us greatness exemplified let me show you this verses 36 and 37 Uh, this is a great illustration that he gives the disciples he it says this, uh, he, he took he, he took a child and he put him in the midst of them, and taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. So so Jesus, what he does is you know, there's these children around him, so he just picks up a child and he says, Look, being great in the kingdom of God, it really is a matter of receiving the child. So you're asking, well, what in what in the world is he is he talking about there? You know, in our society today, we think much of our children. We, we place high value on our children. Like, like so much so that our schedules, our money, our entire lives kind of center around our kids. I mean, they really do. I mean, um, helicopter parenting is, is definitely alive and well. And, and, and so we kind of center our lives around our kids' schooling, our kids' sports, and our kids' activities. But, but this culture is different. The culture that Jesus in, it wasn't quite like that. Uh, In fact, you know, children in ancient cultures were the lowest class of people. They were the lowest rung on the ladder. In fact, children really had no real rights. And, And so there's high infant mortality rates in the ancient world, as you can imagine. There was a great demand for child slave labor. And so children were just commonly viewed in ancient cultures as less than everyone else in society. And so in essence, what Jesus is doing when he picks up this child, he's embracing the lowest of society. And he's saying, look, if you'll receive and embrace the lowest, you are, it's like you're embracing me. And he's calling the disciples, not really to, to model and imitate the children, but to model and imitate Jesus Who is serving the lowest and it's a foreshadowing of the ultimate service he would do on the cross that's what he's pointing to that he would serve everyone by giving his life on the cross and again jesus is flipping our world upside down i mean he just turns it on its head and uh, says that you know this is this is what it means to be great in the kingdom of God. And what this practically means for you and for me, I mean, this is just kind of on the ground for you and for me. It means serving people that exhaust us. It means serving people that are not emotionally fulfilling for us to serve. It it means serving people who can't pay us back. Man, if only our politicians could do that, you know what I mean? Um, It means serving people who can't promote us in any way. what it is is it's just laying down our life in practical ways and not expecting anything in return that's what Jesus is talking about that's the path of greatness I was I was reading about this lady let me tell you about her there was there's this prison in La Mesa It's, it's the La Mesa prison in Tijuana Mexico and this huge riot broke out in kind of the cafeteria area and uh Hundreds of inmates rioting, throwing rocks, throwing bottles, throwing fists. Some of the guards fired machine guns uh, into, into the crowd. This is a dangerous situation in this, in this prison. and, uh, and uh, So this little lady in her 70s, she's an American, walks through the melee, stands on a chair and raises her arms to go like this, and within seconds the entire room is quiet and still. And her name uh, is Mary Brenner. And Mary uh, is originally from Beverly Hills, California. And she described her life as uh, that she, she called she lived the glamorous life until she committed her life to Christ and, and followed him in a whole new direction. And uh, she wears the nun's habit and they, they have a nickname for Sister Antonia. And uh, she moved to this prison 25 years ago and her home is a 10 by 10 cell in the prison, that's where she lives. And what she does every single day is she loves these inmates in this prison. She bandages their wounds, she gives them their medicine, she cares for their families, she washes their bodies for burial. And she says, I love every single inmate in this prison. And the article that I read said, you know, loving them doesn't mean she ignores their crimes. She said, absolutely not. She said, there's not a single inmate in this prison that hasn't heard my lecture. They have to take responsibility for what they've done wrong, they have to see the consequences and repent. But she says, I do love them dearly. In fact, she calls each prisoner her son. And although, this is what the article said, she lives in a prison, the the prison doesn't live in her because her friends and all the inmates describe her as a person of incredible joy, hopefulness, love, and gratitude. And in a recent interview, she said, you know what, I wouldn't trade my cell for any place in the world. Church, I think that's... When Jesus is talking about greatness, I think on the day of judgment, we're going to see a lot of people like that. We have never heard of. Because they just get it. And the celebrity pastors and celebrity people, you know, that we think are great, they're not going to be up there. And so greatness in the kingdom of God includes loving people that maybe you don't feel like serving. Maybe that you don't even want to serve. It could be your difficult next door neighbor. It could be, you know, a family member who is incredibly overdrawn on their account it could be um, a very irritating co-worker you, you know god's going to put you in situations where you may have to love someone who doesn't agree with your politics there are going to be situations where god puts you in a, in a situation where you know god's going to give you an opportunity to serve someone maybe who's hurt you Or maybe maybe he's gonna give you an opportunity to serve somebody who's really been very irresponsible with their life. And our first thought is, well, I don't want to serve them because I don't want to, you know, enable their irresponsibility. You see, all of us have groups of people that we that we would rather not serve that don't that don't treat us right. But but serving them anyway is Jesus' idea of greatness. Now how is this even possible? Like, how do we get to this place? Do I just challenge all of you to be better, try harder, and do more at being great? Is that what I need you to do? Is that what I'm gonna challenge you to do? No. What I'm gonna challenge you to do is to see the, how God empowers us to be the kind of people that He's called us to be. To, to really show you greatness and power. Let me just show it to you in verse 37, and we really get a hint of this here. He says this, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. And so what Jesus is saying is that when we receive the least of these, we are actually receiving Jesus, so, so, so really, here's, here's where the power begins, begins to kind of uh, fill us and, and change us in our lives. Because really, in serving the least and the lost and the last, we end up serving Jesus. Why? Why is that? What is, what is he talking about? Well, it's really the gospel. He became the least and the lost and the last for us. See, he went to the cross and served us while we were his enemies. He died for our sins. He took our place. Philippians 2 talks about he emptied himself and became a servant. And he he came to earth not to command armies, not to lead a huge bureaucracy, but to go to the cross. And he did it because he loved you and he loved me and he talks about this in this passage verses 31 and 32 he he says it this way for he was teaching his disciples saying to them the son of man is going to be delivered into the hands of men and they will kill him and when he is killed after three days he will rise and they didn't understand what he was saying and they didn't even want to ask him So they had a hard time just kind of figuring out how is the Messiah going to do this and rescue us and die at the same time. But see, here's here's where we have an advantage. They struggled to look forward to see what God was up to, but we have the advantage of looking backward to know what he was up to and what he did. And what Jesus did was he took our place to secure our rescue. He paid our penalty He paid the ransom that we had because we sought sought greatness separate from God. And so Jesus became an outcast for us. He became rejected for us. He became the least of us because he loved us. Let me show you Isaiah 53. It says it like this. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief as one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not and so what that means is jesus took on rejection he became an outcast for us and so so church here's here's the thing when you realize what god has done for you and you repent of your sins and you put your faith in his grace it changes you on the inside life enters into you. The life of the Holy Spirit enters into you and changes your heart. So now, it's not about trying harder and doing more and being better, but now your heart is drawn to God in love. And you just wanna serve because he loved you. And that's the change that we need. That's the power that we need. That's that's the grace that Jesus calls us to and i just i just want to ask you today who is it that god's calling you to serve who is it in your life that you don't want to serve that you don't you don't feel like serving well i tell you jesus loved you so much that he served you and i don't think he felt like going to the cross but he he did it for us for our salvation and for his glory let's let's pray together So God, we we just give you praise for who you are. And we thank you for showing us what true greatness is. And I pray, God, that your spirit would work in our midst and in our hearts to, to just empower us to turn away from seeking the world's greatness. But that we would seek you. And so Lord, I pray that You would uh, arrange divine appointments this week. You would bring people across our paths and into our lives that we we can serve without any expectation of anything in return because we do it out of love for you because you loved us. And I pray that we would see that you love even those that the world says are the least and the last and the lost you love those that the world has written off you didn't write us off and so god show us that afresh and anew today and we pray all of this in jesus name and all of god's people said